Well, it's good to be here, and I had the privilege of, when I was a young, when I was a young man preparing for the ministry, very formative. I suppose I probably could have gone either way because I didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, real strong biblical influences in my life, and and I was blessed to marry to marry my wife, and and uh, her her dad was a great influence in my life over the years. He was. I, I, I've said this many times, he was the only true pastor I ever had. And he was my pastor for many years before before I became the pastor of the church that he pastored for many years. But I've always been thankful for the blessing of God and the things that he made possible in my life. And, and when, you, when, you get your whole, when you get your hands on truth, don't let go of truth. Don't let go of it, just hang on to it because it's all too rare in our world today. Well, we're going to consider an important principle from the Word of God today that I have prayed would be a challenge and a blessing to you. Let's pray and we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. I pray that You will bless our time together this morning. Thank You for each person who's come to share this hour, these moments with us in the Scriptures. And I pray that You would do a work in every heart. Help us to see how important is the time that we spend here and how we use the time that we have. Father, may we live for your honor and glory. And what a blessing it is to see a family singing together in church. And Father, I know that a lot of times teenagers wouldn't, wouldn't even consider such a thing. They wouldn't tolerate it just because of a spirit of, of rebellion. And Father, I thank you for a family that's serving the Lord together. And I pray that would be the goal of every family, every household represented in this room. Father, that we would raise our children and train them up in the, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as the Scripture says. And Father, that you'll help us to, to see how important is our responsibility and how valuable is that goal Father, the older we get, the more we appreciate having had that as a pursued goal when we were younger folks. I pray that you'd bless our time here and bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you open your Bible, please, to Matthew chapter 6? We have one verse we want to read in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, and then a few verses from James chapter 4. And you say those are kind of uh, maybe unconnected and incongruous books of the Bible, and I would agree with that in some way, but it's the Word of God. And so it's, it presents to us truth that's consistent throughout. And that's one of the blessings of God's Word is that it is consistent, does not contradict itself. One of the most difficult questions for people to answer these days is, what is life all about? And often life doesn't seem to make sense to people. And certainly if a person has the wrong foundation, are we working okay with this? Did I get turned on? Okay. Um, if a person doesn't have the right foundation for understanding life, life won't make sense to them. And some people are perplexed, like why are so many people deciding that life's not worth it, and so they end their life. And we see at various times in our nation's history, various times around the world, when it seems like, when it seems like uh, people taking their own life is more 
pronounced and more prominent and more uh, popular uh, a phase than other times. So why, does, why do people do that? I mean, they've got, especially young people, they've got a whole life ahead of them. And can't they see that life is valuable? Well, if, if, they have a, if they have the wrong foundation for life, no, they can't see that life is valuable. If they believe that they're just accidents of evolution, life has no purpose. It's just all arbitrary and random, and whatever happens, happens, and, and I don't like what's happening, so I'm out of here. They've got the wrong foundation, they've got the wrong worldview, and so they come to some very, very harmful and detrimental conclusions about their life. And some people don't understand what life is all about, and, and it doesn't seem to make sense, and it seems pointless to them and arbitrary. And even Solomon, the wisest of all men, from a very worldly perspective in Ecclesiastes, said numerous times, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Nothing makes sense. It's all empty. And he spoke concerning his own pursuit of riches and pleasure and, and knowledge and all of that. <coughs> Excuse me. And... And he said it doesn't, it doesn't amount to anything. It's not worth anything. And, and on one level, that's absolutely true. Life is vanity. If you don't have the right foundation, the right perspective. <coughs> We're going to read from Matthew chapter 6 and James chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? In James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, Go to now ye that say to today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And both of these portions of Scripture deal with what life is. And life is not determined by fate and what will be will be and all this kind of stuff. That fatalistic approach is nothing but frustration. But life has a purpose. Is there a way to summarize life? We certainly... Do not live a cookie-cutter existence, and our lives are, your life is very different than mine. Mine is very different than yours. Your life is very different from the person that's probably sitting on the same at the other end of the pew from where you are today. And so we can't say that life is exactly the same for everybody, because it is, certainly is not. But I think there are some common elements that we would probably have to agree are true of life generally. And as we consider the summary of life, um, if we're seeing the big picture, I think there is a simple summary of mortal life and what it's all about. And the first thing that I see that a lot of people get hung up on and they get focused on is that life is, we're going to talk about the fact that life is pleasure and life is pain and life is preparation. I think those are maybe the three things that, that would summarize life pretty accurately. First of all, life is pleasure. And some people, that's all they think about is, is how they can have more pleasure in their life. 
and what they can do that will try to bring them joy, that they can attempt to do that will bring them joy out of life. And that's what James 4.13 sort of characterizes. Go to, go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into this such a city, uh, such a city, continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. What do we want to do? What can we do that will bring us pleasure? Let's go buy some stuff. Let's go get more stuff. Let's go heap more material uh, uh, possessions into our life. And that will be what our life is about. And and yet the Bible says, Jesus said, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Isn't it more than that? Well, yeah, it's a lot more than that. And people who who pursue that as a lifestyle, people who pursue pleasure, soon find out that that doesn't, bring them real satisfaction or joy in life. I remember reading the story of a man who was actually writing himself a letter. And he said, you know, I started out and and I started out in business and I did this and I did this and I set this goal and I set that goal. And, and all my life has been pursuing these goals in my business. And now I live in this rich neighborhood and I've got this house and I am the CEO of my company. And his next words were kind of haunting. He said, is this all there is? Is that it? I've given my whole life to pursuing after that. Is that all? Is that all there is? Is there nothing else than that? Because I surely don't feel satisfied or fulfilled like I thought I would. And the fact of the matter is anything temporal will not bring real satisfaction to your life. Anything temporal. That's why James says what it says in chapter 4 a little bit later on. Ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries. Your gold is moth-eaten, your silver is, is rusted. You know, it's all, it's all consumed. It's going, to, it's going to fade away. It's not going to last. All the things that have been so valuable, so important to you, you're going to realize... We're not worth that effort and that priority. Yeah, life is pleasure. There are a lot of things in life that are pleasurable. I sure do enjoy, I sure do enjoy driving across Tennessee and North Carolina. You know, it's beautiful. I love the, I love the Smoky Mountains. I love the outdoors. I love the beautiful things that God has created in nature. When we come down and visit our second son who lives in Greenville, South Carolina, he's taken me up into the mountains across the state line into North Carolina. We've and we've gone out fishing in those little in those little ponds and streams and lakes and things like that. I love that. There's so much beauty in God's creation. And there's a lot to appreciate. There's a lot that we can get pleasure from. And you know, there, I think it's, I think it's okay to say God created this just for people to enjoy. And there, there are pleasures in this life for sure. And that's what, that's a part of life, but don't imagine that that's all there is to life doing what I like to do, going where I like to go, being with those I like to be with, enjoying my life. God has given us a beautiful world and there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. 
But those forms of enjoyment that are not in violation to God's word and God's truth and God's principle are fine as long as they are not in violation of something scriptural. And those that are not allowed to become a top priority in our life as though they are God himself. By the way, the first of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And God's very jealous about that. He doesn't want us to have anything in our life. And it's a good, it's a good self-examination for me to say, Okay, is there anything in my life that's more important to me than doing what the Lord wants me to do? Is there anybody in my life who is more important to me than God is? Or does he have that place of first priority? Is there anything in my life? Some people, for some people, it's their boat, it's their car, it's their, it's their uh, uh, inclination towards fishing or hunting. It's their, you know, it's their house, it's their spouse, it's their job, whatever it is. That's first. My job is first. That's idolatry putting something ahead of God in your life. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying life as long as the Lord is still first. Because everything else is just temporal. Everything else is going to pass away. Yeah, life is pleasure. On the other hand, the Bible says there's no peace to the wicked. Those who do not observe God in their life never do experience real joy or lasting pleasure there's no peace to the wicked to those who use the things of this life to displace god himself in their life life is pleasure and life is pain what is life about well sometimes life brings pain look at ecclesiastes with me back in the old testament ecclesiastes chapter 11 Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7 and 8. And the Bible says in this passage of Scripture, Solomon was writing in, and if you notice in Ecclesiastes over and over again, the phrase under the sun occurs, under the sun. And that was the focus of Solomon's philosophy, the focus of his of his attitude in Ecclesiastes was under the sun. In other words, from a human perspective, this is the way it seems. I think that Solomon had the wrong focus in his life at this point in his life. And there are some great spiritual truths that shine through the book of Ecclesiastes, but Solomon's perspective was often he wrote because he realized it. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7 and 8 say this, Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many days and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. And a little earlier, let me read for you a couple of verses from Job. And you know the story of the life of Job and how he was greatly blessed of God, but God allowed the devil to take away all the blessings that he had. Just, I think it was to see what Job was made of. God was, God, Satan had destroying Job in mind, but God had testing and proving Job in mind. And in Job chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, 
The Bible says, although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. Man is born to trouble. Yeah, life is full of trouble. There's a lot of pain in life. There is. And it's not God's fault. It's not of God's making. It's because of bad choices that Adam made way back when that brought sin into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all of sin is. So we could say realistically, yes, life is pleasure. We could also say realistically, yes, life is pain. And there's so much pain and sorrow in our world. There's so much that's wrong with this world. Not because God creates bad. God never creates evil. God never created anything evil in, in eternity. He is not that kind of a God. But because of the poor choices that man made and the bible says in romans chapter 5 verse 12 wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned and it started with him and that's why there's so much disease that's why there's so much conspiracy and there's so much political agenda and so much dishonesty and so much you know of all the garbage that we see around us in our world today that's why it's because of sin and part of life because of that is pain. People work so hard to find joy and pleasure in life, and, and sometimes it just comes back to bite them. They are sowing seeds of sorrow even as they pursue pleasure. They're sowing the seeds of sorrow in their life. Oh, I'm just out to have a good time. And you know, this is, I think, the reason why Romans, Romans chapter 3 says what it says. I think it's verse 11 that says, There is none that seeketh after God. In my experience, working with people, generally, folks are not looking for God. What they're looking for is a good time. They're looking to have fun. They're looking for pleasure. They're not looking for God. And it's a blessing when you meet somebody who is serious about their spiritual life and about their eternity because generally that's not true of people. You'd say God has already begun to do a work in that person's heart to even cause them to be interested in the things of the Lord. I was telling someone just last night about a young man. Actually, he's a teenager. He looks like a young man. He's probably about 16 years old who was just a few months ago saved at our church. And he, the next week, approached me and said, I need to get baptized. And I said, Amen. And he has not, he comes on his own, he comes by himself to church as a high schooler. He hasn't missed a service. But he's got, he comes from a home. First of all, it's a broken home. But in his house, he's got two moms. And he goes to a public high school. And it just breaks my heart to think about the background and all the stuff that he's going to have to process out and what the Spirit of God's going to have to do to... to I, I, you know, I could, I could see a young man like he is who's so determined, who's found the truth and he is sold on the truth and he's going to be there and he's going to respond and he's going to do it and he's eating it up. It's like a little bird, you know, with his, with his mouth open. He's just, he's just receiving the truth. I could see God calling a young man like that even to preach. He does what he does all by himself because he gets no support. 
He gets no help. He gets no encouragement. In fact, he gets discouragement from even coming to church. Yeah, you know what? Life is painful in a lot of ways. It is. Because the world in which we live that Jesus said we needed to live in, when he was praying for his church, you recall, he said, I, he was talking to the Father, I, I pray not thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil one, from the evil. God wants us to be here, but you know what? The fact of the matter is, if you're a child of God, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Yeah, life is pleasure and life is pain. And there's a lot of sacrifice and there's a lot of hardship and there's a lot of negative about life. And a lot of times people cause more trouble for themselves because what they're pursuing is pleasure, but they end up with pain because they make such bad choices and, and the wages of sin is death, you know? It's important for us to understand what life is about and the problem is that mankind's place here on this planet in time and eternity is, is seriously marred and, and it bars us from anything but the vicious cycle of sin and the wages of sin if, if, they, if people are without Christ. They're going to just suffer that. They're going to just suffer sin and the wages of sin. What a blessing it is to know the Lord. And, and you know what? Life, life can be a challenge and life can be trying, but if you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, you can praise Him and say, wow, God has, God has made my life so blessed and his, He's protected me from so much junk. And we can know how to run a family. We can know how to have a family that, that grows up to be respectful and honorable and honest and honors the Lord and honors their parents and all that. We can know the answers. So many people have no clue. They have no answers. Indeed, there aren't any answers outside of God's truth. There aren't any answers. And man comes up with all kinds of what he says is solutions and then the next thing you know, he's saying, oh, that wasn't right after all. Let's try something else. It was shortly after my time in that phase through junior high and high school, they came out with, with the new math, you know? And they were going to try a whole different thing, and kids aren't getting this, so we need to change the foundations and then they decided that phonics wasn't a good idea, and so they, got, they came up with a CSA method of reading. Just teach kids to recognize the formation of the word rather than how to sound out the word, you know. Let's just try this and do this and do that and, and, and see if it works. And you know what? It didn't. Man's ways don't work. And the, the new ideas, the new philosophies that people come up with to try to make life better, doesn't work. Doesn't work. That's what's happening in our culture today. A younger generation has been taught that 
the, the American way doesn't work, and so we've got to do something else. It's not going to work. Just look at history. It hasn't, it's never worked. Socialism and communism and Marxism, those have never worked. They're not going to work now. But people are just looking for something. I had, I had somebody tell me years ago, I thought this was so sad, and I've heard it several times since then, where, where you try to talk to somebody about the Lord, and they say, oh, I know about that. That's not what I'm looking for. That God thing, that's not what I need. Oh, yes, that is what you need. If, if, if it didn't work for you earlier, it's because you were looking at a counterfeit. Because the real thing works. But people have a need, and a lot of times they understand that they have a need, but they can't see the pattern because they don't grasp the purpose. And sometimes they're blind because they refuse to see. Life is pleasure and life is pain, but also life is preparation. Preparation for eternity. And the key that most people miss in this aspect of life is that the time that we have here is a time to prepare for eternity. I've heard some folks say, oh, you know, we'll know everything. It'll all be totally clear as soon as we get to heaven. I'm, I'm not absolutely certain that that's the case. If, if Christian life is a growing, growing process, I don't know if that, if that will just suddenly, if, if if everything will be obvious and clear to us as soon as we get to heaven, or if there will still be some kind of a, an unfolding of truth for us at that point. I'm not sure. The Bible, I don't think the Bible necessarily speaks to that subject, except the Apostle Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, you know, we see now through a glass darkly, but then face to face, and we'll certainly have clarity about a lot of things. As soon as we get to heaven... But the fact of the matter is, we don't understand the beginning and the ending right now. And so we, we revert back to a, to a tried and true biblical principle that is absolutely true for everybody, and it's called the principle of faith. And God wants us just to believe Him. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, I don't think that'll work. If God says it will work, and if God says it's true, that's the way it needs to be. And man's philosophies don't work, but God's way works. His truth is always appropriate. And that's all part of our preparation. Man is frustrated and hopeless, and this frustration and hopelessness stems from our inability to bring things together. Do you think the human family generally is frustrated? People are always searching for something. They're always looking for something. And maybe I should ask you, are you searching for something? What is it you're looking for? What is it you're searching for? Maybe you don't even know for sure what you're searching for. But after having lived in this life and having known the Lord for better than 50 years, I can say to you, the only answer 
that I've ever found to the questions and the frustrations and the challenges of life, the only answer that I've ever found that is anywhere close to being the right answer, and it is the right answer, is to go to God and get the answer from the Lord. He knows what our life is about. And if you're frustrated and you're confused, may I, may I assure you that the Lord does not want us to be frustrated and confused. He does want us to rest in Him and trust Him. You can trust the Lord. You can commit your life to Him. You can say with absolute certainty, if I commit my way to the Lord, I'll come out at the right place. I'll come out in the right place. Because God is not a trickster. He's not one who, who is going to pull a prank on you and you invest yourself in this way for such a long time and then, he, and then you end up empty-handed with nothing. God's not, God doesn't operate that way. You commit your life to the Lord. You determine to follow Him. You determine to follow His Word in your personal life, in your devotional life, in your spiritual life, in your public life, in your family life. Follow His Word. Just commit your way to the Lord and let Him lead you with His Spirit. You'll come out at the right place. If our life seems disappointing on some level, if we feel we're missing out, while this may be the very circumstance God is using to bring people to Himself. They feel that they're missing out somehow. Okay, what are you missing out on? What are you missing? Perhaps it's God's purpose for your life. Do you know for sure that where you'll... you know for sure that if you die today, you'll spend eternity with Him? You know, Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Okay, life. And you've seen these bumper stickers just like I have. You know, uh, you, you live and you die, and life is a bummer or whatever. And it's over, and that's all there is to it. It's appointed men once to die, and some people imagine that's the end of it, and that's all there is. Live and die. Boom, that's over. It's over. And some people think they'll be glad when they get there, wherever they're going, maybe to oblivion, maybe to nowhereness. But the Bible tells us that there's a whole lot more to it than that. And the Bible tells us in that same context, the end is joyful for the one who, who knows and serves and believes in and loves the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> And I quoted Hebrews 9, 27. And listen to verse 28. Verse 27 said, It's appointed men once to die, but after this the judgment. Verse 28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. What is your life? Well, it's pleasure, it's pain, it's preparation. Are you experiencing the whole thing? Not just the pain part, not just the pleasure part, but also the preparation is God. Are you allowing God to do a work in your life? Are you in cooperation with that? Are you submitting to Him so that He can do that work? I think it's notable in the Word of God. You'll never, ever, ever see God 
stepping in to violate somebody's will. Oh, I'll resist God. I'll resist God. I'll do my own thing. You know what? We have that freedom. We have that freedom. But human history, the story of human history is filled with the shipwrecks, the ruined lives, the wrecks of people who chose that way. Yeah, you can do your own thing. You know, the year that I married my wife and the previous time and the year since then, yeah, at any at any juncture in life, you can we can choose to do our own thing. We can choose to do our own go our own way. We have that freedom, but it won't be good. And we'll look back and we'll say, "Why did I do that? That was so stupid. Why did I do that? I knew the truth. Why didn't I just commit my way to the Lord and trust Him?" and live life accordingly and realize He's preparing me for something. Life without the Lord doesn't make sense, but with Him, we can see purpose and design. We don't know what the future holds, honestly. You know, it won't be, it won't be very long before my years as a pastor will come to a close. What's going to happen after that? I don't know what's going to happen after that. I don't know how long I will live. And any one of us could say, you know, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. We don't know how much time we've got. We don't know what the future holds. But we should have the conviction that whatever my life holds, it's going to be best today and tomorrow if I just submit to Christ, if I just let the Lord have His way with the time that I have, that's the best thing. Have you committed your life to Christ? I don't know, I don't know most of you folks. I know some of you by name and I recognize your face because I've met you on other occasions when we've been down here. But, but that's the reason I ask this question. Do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. It occurred to me a few years ago that according to Romans chapter 8, verse 16, which says, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And we know that we are saved according to 1 John 4, 13, that we have, because we have His Spirit. And so asking, do you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die is basically the same thing and tantamount to asking, do you have the Holy Spirit living in you? It means the same thing. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Is He within you? Does He convict you and encourage you and bring you assurance of your salvation so that you know that you're saved? Do you know for sure that you know Christ? Yeah, there's always going to be pleasure in life. There's always going to be pain in life. But the most important part of that, and that's true for everybody, but the most important part of all that, if we're summarizing life, is that we be prepared for the next phase 
I've used the illustration before, you know, if you were to hang a string with a thumbtack in that like kite string or, you know, just twine on the, in that wall and then stretch it all the way across the room and, and do the same thing with a thumbtack on that wall. And I were to take one of those little Sharpie magic marker things and put a dot on that string and that were to represent my lifetime or yours. And this string could represent eternity. It just helps us to realize that, you know what, your life, my life, is just a drop in the bucket. It's just a moment in time, and then it's gone. And what are you doing to prepare? What have you done to prepare for eternity? Yeah, life is pleasure, life is pain, and life is preparation. And life without Christ is not going to be worth living. God created, man violated, but Christ propitiated. And He made salvation possible for us. So that life could be about far more than just the here and now and what we experience at the moment. Are you sure you're ready to meet Him? Are you sure you're ready to... Have you prepared yourself by submitting to Christ for eternity, for the, for the big picture? And are you helping to prepare your children, your family, for that eternal event?